Good evening. Good to see everyone tonight. And um, in case you didn't hear already, we had a, an election yesterday. And looks like it will be quite some time before we know the result of that. Um, but you know what? It's fitting. We're talking tonight about the two things you're not supposed to talk about, religion and politics. Um, but we're all family, right? So we can, we can talk about these things. No, in all seriousness, we're looking forward to the series about, um, about hard but necessary conversations. And here's the thing. We as believers have to be able to talk about the hot button issues and, and how that the scripture must shape our view of them. It must shape our thinking about the hot button issues of our day. And culture uh, shouldn't shape that. It should be rooted in scripture as followers of Christ, that that is our final authority. And we talk about that about uh, very often, about uh, b the biblical authority. The Bible's our, our final authority or, or sola scriptura, right? It's scripture alone, that it is not, not meaning that there's no other authority. It just simply means that that scripture is above all, that all that is our ultimate standard. It's the Supreme Court that that we we filter uh, right and wrong through. So looking forward to over the next several weeks on Wednesdays, um, really for the whole month of, of November, except the week uh, of right before Thanksgiving, we'll take that week off. Uh, but otherwise, Wednesdays in November and then the first one in December, um, we're uh, looking forward to this series talking about uh, about hard, um, hard but necessary conversations and looking forward to having some guests uh, coming in next week. Um, next week is uh, Pastor Andrew uh, Linder from down the Peoria area from Pekin. And he's going to talk about raising kids in an, in an evil and ungodly world. And Pastor Andrew has done a really good job of putting out a lot of good content. So I encourage you to look, uh, look him up. If you just Google him, you'll see uh, different articles um, and uh, different blog posts that he has had and, and probably links to some sermons um, about parenting. Uh, looking forward to having him uh, with us next week and then um, and then a few others um, as as we continue but tonight we're going to be in uh, Jeremiah chapter 29 I actually preached from Jeremiah 29 um, in an out one of the outdoor services that we had uh, this summer but I want to look at Jeremiah 29 as well as some other passages of scripture and and look and see okay how do we as believers how do we filter um, how we view politics and in in a, in a we say this this phrase often, right? That there's there's two ditches to every road. There's two ditches to every road, and it seems like in our day and age, there's the ditch of where there's people in in church, I guess churches and pastors that they don't want to deal with anything political. It's like we're not gonna we're we're not gonna take a position. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about it at all. And and the only problem with that is. What about when those political issues we see are clear issues that are rooted in Scripture? Are we not going to take a stand on, on issues that we see in Scripture? Well, that's a huge mistake. I mean, as, as believers, as followers of Christ, we're, look, we're not called to be God's editors. We're called to be God's messengers. So we need to proclaim the truth, do it lovingly, do it respectfully, 
but proclaim the truth boldly when we see it in scripture, right? So there's the ditch of, of some that say, well, we're not going to deal with any of the issues. We're just going we're, we're, we're to avoid it altogether. There's the other ditch of some people, they just, it's, it, it almost seems like, you know, with, with their preaching and, and at, at, at their church, it's like you almost feel like you're at a political rally, not church, because it's like every message is, is hammering the political issues of the day, and there's not a lot of scriptural depth. And, and again, both, two, two ditches on either side of the road. And, and of course, we all tend to think that we have the perfect balance and in all reality, we probably don't. But our goal should be as believers, as followers of Christ in every area, consistency, trying to be consistent and, and be bold where the Bible's bold, be loud where the Bible's loud, but not take a hard dogmatic stand on things that we don't have scripture that's, that, that, we can, that we can back up what we're teaching and preaching on. So tonight, my hope is to attempt to, to, to point out to us as followers of Christ, specifically here in our local church, our local context of how, how do we as believers navigate, um, navigate the political issues? And especially this is, it's, it's never been, um, the, the political scene has, has never been more intense. I mean, really all of this year, um, we've just seen it building up to this. And I, again, I don't know that all of us are that surprised that, that we don't have an answer of who, who our president is. And, you know, no doubt there's going to be probably both declaring to be winners and there's, and, and, and it's going to probably be a long drawn out process. But as believers though, as believers, how do we navigate through this? How do we navigate through the political system, the political parties, and through these issues? Well, I want to look at several biblical principles. So in Jeremiah 29 is where we're at. Now, I'll say this. I'll say this. We don't see in Jeremiah 29, God's, or the, the nation of Judah, who's been carried away captive. They're not a part of a, a republic, right? They're, they're in Babylon. There's, there's, there's a king who rules and, and he, what he says goes, there's no, there's no checks and balances here. This is the rule of one and his, his party and, and, and the people under him. So I do understand in that context, it's not identical to what we're living in. And as we see, even in, in we'll make reference to in the new Testament, like when Rome was ruling and what God says to to, to, to the church, what God says to, to the, 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 his, his followers of how they're to conduct themselves as citizens. They're, again, they're, they're not in a republic where they get to vote on issues and where they have a say in a lot of these things like we do. So I recognize that. I recognize that. However, however, we see some biblical principles for how as, as Christ followers, as believers, that we can apply no matter what political system that we're in and no matter how our political system changes. So Jeremiah chapter 29, to give you a little bit of background, again, we preached on this also. Let me point out, uh, hopefully you've listened to it already, but uh, Pastor Caleb and I, a couple months ago on his podcast, we had a conversation and we talked about politics and we talked about what's the role of believers, what's the role of the church within that. I would encourage you to listen to that because we had a really good dialogue back and forth. Not that we're the experts and not that, um, you know, not, not, not that, uh, that we covered everything there is to cover, but we had a good conversation talking um, about it. So I'd encourage you uh, to listen to that. It's on the Biblicist podcast. Um, so 
Go ahead and, uh, and check that out uh, later if you have an interest in it. But in Jeremiah chapter 29, God's people, Judah, they've been um, carried away. Many of them were carried away captive into Babylon. And this was God's, Babylon was God's tool to ultimately, to ultimately bring his people back to him. As God's people had turned away from him and ignored the Sabbath, ignored the Sabbath, ignored the worship of God, and they were just entrenched and in, in, in falling into all the, all the, um, the, 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 the pagan rituals and practices of the nations around them. And so this was God, this was God allowing Babylon now to come in. And Babylon came in and they carried away captive. They carried away many captive. Well, Jeremiah the prophet didn't get carried away. Jeremiah's in Judah. And Jeremiah is writing to the captives in Babylon. That's the context where we find ourselves in Jeremiah 29. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah the king and the queen, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and, uh, and Jerusalem, and the carpenters and the smiths were deported from Jerusalem. Basically, anyone that they saw of use to them, they carried away captive. They wanted to leave some because they wanted to allow them to be productive and to be able to tax them, the ones that they left uh, behind. So there were some that were, were left behind. So verse uh, number uh, verse number four, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem into Babylon. This is an important phrase, and we see this, we see this in Jeremiah. God's saying, Babylon has been my tool, but I'm the one that caused it. Ultimately, this is, this is because of the sin of God's people. But he's saying, I'm the one that, is, that has caused this. I'm the one who is sovereign over all of this. That's what's important for us, to recognize and understand that that God is in control. And I know we, we say that, like you've probably heard that dozens of dozens of times before the election, like, hey, no matter what happens, Jesus is king. Well, amen. Yes, that's true, right? We, we, we do believe that. We, at least we should if we have a proper view of, of our theology, that God is in control, that God rules and, and reigns. So he says this, so, so Jeremiah is writing to them. Jeremiah gets a message from God to write to the captives that have been carried into Babylon. He says, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens, eat the fruit of them, take wives, beget sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. So I want you to be prosperous. I want you to increase while you're in Babylon. Seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it. For in peace thereof shall ye have peace. So, and, and, and he, down to not, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but he's saying in verse number 10, he said, you're, you're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. So at this time, though, there were other prophets that we're telling God's people, like, this captivity's not going to last. It's going to be a short time. After, don't, don't unpack your bag, so to speak, because after a couple years, after a couple years, you're going back home and everything's fine. But here's the problem. That was a popular message, but that wasn't the word from God. God's word, God's message to Jeremiah the prophet was, 
you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. Now, Jeremiah's message wasn't popular. I mean, we can all understand why that would be the case, right? If we were carried away captive to a foreign land and, and a prophet told us, if one prophet told us, well, you're only going to be here two years, you're going back home and everything's going to be normal. And then someone else said, no, you're going to be here 70 years. Can you see why the other message would be much more popular? But the problem was that they weren't speaking for God. They were speaking their own message. Jeremiah was speaking on behalf of God and said, you're going to be here for 70 years. So he says, plant gardens, take wives, have sons and daughters, and then, and then give, you know, take wives for, for your sons. Seek the peace of the city. He says, in their peace, you're going to find peace. We see this important truth that First of all, it's this. When we look at Christians and politics and the government, the, the nation we find ourselves in, it's important that we recognize this, that it's okay to be involved, that we should be involved. Jeremiah is telling them, listen, seek the peace of the city that you're in, because in their peace, you're going to find peace. We see this principle in scripture where it talks about, and, and, and I call it dual citizenship, like as followers of Christ, the song we just sang, right? This world's not our home. We're just passing through. Well, that's rooted in bib biblical truth. Peter tells us this. He says that we are just strangers and pilgrims. In other words, it's, it's just sojourners. We're just traveling through here in this life. This isn't our, our permanent home. Now, I know there's a new heaven and a new earth, and this earth is, is going to be completely changed. And so, so technically, look, I, I get it. Yes, it's, but, but, but as it is now, this world's not our home. We're just traveling through. So it's okay. We don't have to stress out when everything's not going our way. In fact, the reality is we're going to face tremendous pain, sorrow, hardship. And, and, that, and that is in the, in the context of what Peter's writing He's, he's talking to people that were going through really difficult times. He's like, it's okay. Your home's not down here. It's up there. But Peter also talks about having a, a lifestyle, having a lifestyle that's honest, living in a way that people can see Christ in you. Well, here Jeremiah is writing to the captives and he's saying, look, seek the peace of the city. Be involved. And as as followers of Christ, listen, we're in the world. We're not of the world. You've heard that phrase before, right? Like we're, we're not of this world as far as we're not putting all of our hope in this world. We're not putting all of our hope in the political system of our day, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be concerned. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be involved, be involved in it, be involved in our community. And, and as a church, we talk about that all the time, right? Like we want our, we know that, that, that our, our mission is to, to preach the gospel and give the gospel to everyone around us. Like that's our calling as a church, to make disciples, to see people come to Christ. You know, it's not to just coddle people into hell, make them feel good about, about their life now, but not ultimately tell them the truth of the gospel, right? But just like there's two ditches to every road, right? We, we, that's our first priority. But you know what a great tool and great avenue to be able to speak and proclaim the gospel is to love people, to show people that we care, to be what? Involved, to be involved. And you know what? As we look at our, our nation, as we look at what's going on around us and the turmoil that we've just been facing for quite some time, 
as believers, I think it's important. I think it's important that we don't just circle circle the wagons and, you know, look, look towards the eastern sky and, you know, it, 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 it be obsessed with Christ coming. Now, we should be obsessed with Christ coming, and that should motivate us to live in a certain way now, to be busy. And, and, and as believers, it's okay to, 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 to be involved. In fact, we should be involved. We should be involved. And, you know, it seems like today there's it, should, it seems like today, especially in the, the political climate that, that we're in, there's, there's so much of um, wanting to bring awareness and to identify problems. Nothing wrong with that, because a lot of times that's where it starts. But I would challenge us as, as believers, as followers of Christ, that, that it's important that we don't just bring awareness to things, but that we actually get involved. Do we actually get involved? And uh, Pastor Caleb and I talked about this on, on, on the, the, the podcast where it seems like, you know, especially, and, and again, this has always been an issue and it's always been something that, uh, that, that as Christians that we have, have seen and, 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 and hopefully that as believers that we renounce any type of racism. Amen? Like as, as followers of Christ, we have a worldview we have a worldview that, that can actually make sense, a cohesive worldview that makes sense of why we sh can and should condemn racism, right? But instead of just being someone that wants to identify a problem, my question is, are we involved? Are we involved? Are we just trying to bring awareness of something or are we actually putting feet to it? Are we... Are we loving our neighbors? Are we loving the people that maybe have a different skin color or that have a different background, that look, that look different than us, that have a different upbringing? Are we loving them? Are we inviting those people into our lives? Or are we content to just be the keyboard warriors of, of proclaiming, oh, there's all these problems? And see, the point is this. We as the church should be the feet of getting involved in our society, in our culture. Be, be involved. Be involved. Jeremiah is saying, look, you're going to be there. You're going to be in a system that is ungodly, that you don't want to be a part of. And again, this is all God's judgment upon his people because of their sin. But he's saying, seek the peace of the city. Seek the peace of it because in their peace, you're going to have peace. In other words, for the, when, when, when they do well, you're going to do well. When they're blessed, you will be blessed. So get, get involved. Know this world's not our home permanently, but we are here in this life. And as Christians, we have a worldview that, as I said, it demands consistency. And here's what's important. As we look at the political climate, here's what we must do as believers is we must have a consistent worldview. We must be consistent. We must be able to, I like, I love it how Dr. Michael Brown put it. He's like, with any political leader, any political leader, let, let's use the, our, our current president right now because that's the current president with, with President Donald Trump. We have to be consistent as believers. We have to be able to call balls and strikes. We have to be able to call balls and strikes. And what I mean by that is this. And in, in, in my mind goes back to the 2016 election where... There were, there were evangelicals, good friends of mine, but it was like, you know, Donald Trump could do no wrong in their eyes. I mean, even when he clearly was doing wrong, they would come to his defense and defend things 
that we didn't need to defend as, as followers of Christ, that we shouldn't defend as followers of Christ, right? And so as believers, we're called to be consistent, call balls and strikes, right? When there's things that we see, oh, that's a violation of scripture. We're not going to condone it. But on the other hand, there's people, so there's some people, they were, they were so blinded by a particular candidate, he could do no wrong. On the other end, there's some people, they were so blinded, it didn't matter what he did. They, they were angry and upset about it. It is like, well, hey, if it's a good thing, if it's something that we see, okay, like, you know, this is a, a, a good thing and we see this as, as, as believers, like, okay, this is a good thing for maybe religious liberty or this is a good thing of, of, of maybe like, oh, it looks like, you know, a certain, a certain a judge that's appointed or judges that maybe, right, time will tell, but looks like they're going to defend life. Let's celebrate that, amen? Like, let's rejoice. We have to be consistent though. Being consistent, and that's so very important that we don't, as, as believers, that we don't become blinded to where we're not allowing the scripture to frame our thinking. We're allowing culture. We're allowing personal preference. We're allowing our opinion instead of scripture. So as believers, we're called to be consistent, be involved, be involved. Yes, let our voice be heard. Let's speak out against injustice, but, but let's also be willing to put our feet to that and be willing to be involved in the community that we're in. So be involved. There's nothing wrong with, with believers being involved in politics. But again, it, look, let's not put all our hope here in this life. Let's not put all our hope in the political system of our day because we're setting ourselves up for great, great disappointment, right? Be involved. Secondly, we see this. Secondly, be prayerful. So be involved, but be prayerful. He says this uh, in verse, oh, verse number um, seven. Seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof ye uh, shall ye have peace. So pray, be involved, but be prayerful. Be prayerful. Be prayerful for the country in which we live. Be prayerful for the leaders that we have. Whether we agree with them or not. Pray for them. Pray for them. That should be our heart and our attitude, no matter who is the president. And if it was only, if it was only for the leaders that we agreed with, well, honestly, there would probably be nobody then we'd pray for. Because there's something, no matter what leader, that there would be that we would disagree with. But as followers of Christ, be, be prayerful. We see, this, uh, we see this also in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I think we have these verses. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessors, giving of thanks be made for all men. Well, which men? For kings... And for all that are in authority. Why? Our desire, again, as followers of Christ, should be so that we can lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Like, our desire should be we want to live a, a, a peaceful and quiet life and be able to follow Christ, serve Christ. Again, there's going to—every, you know, every generation we look at, and even today, not in the United States, um, but maybe it's here at the door— but all over the world, there's Christians that are being persecuted for their faith. Definitely in Paul's day, 
There are Christians being persecuted for the faith. As we look at church history, the church, the church has always assembled together. And here's the thing. Occasionally, occasionally, we've done it freely. Occasionally, we've been able to meet freely. But the majority of time, Christians have not met freely. The majority of time, Christians have not had just an easy, quiet life. There's been persecution. But whether we agree with our leaders or not, let's pray for them. Let's pray for them. You know what our, our prayer should be for, uh, for our current president? Hey, if he doesn't know Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, pray that he comes to a saving faith in Christ. And, and based on, on his testimony from four years ago, we have reason to, to think that maybe he's not a, a true follower of Christ by his comment about that he doesn't see that he needs forgiveness. Again, we've seen some things that may be indication that, that he has come to faith in Christ. I sure hope so. Ultimately, he and God know. But you know what our prayer should be? Our prayer should be, yes, give him wisdom, give him guidance, but, but that he come to a saving faith in Christ. Seems like our vice president from his testimony is a follower of, of, of Christ by his testimony. Again, ultimately, I can't see someone's heart. You can't see someone's heart. We, we, we see fruit in people's lives, but ultimately God's the one that knows and, 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 and sees that. Our prayer should be that, that God would then, as for our vice president, God would guide him and lead him. If, if uh, Mr. Biden and, 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 and Kamala Harris become the next president or vice president, you know what our prayer should be? God, if they don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, God, please bring them to a saving faith in you. We should pray for our leaders. Pray for them. Again, it doesn't have to be, well, I, I'm endorsing everything about them. No, in fact, there's probably things that, that no matter who ends up being president, that you, that, you know, if we take a poll in here, like, oh, we strongly disagree with a bunch of things. But we should pray for our leaders. Pray for our leaders. Pray for for our nation. I mean, just look at the, the state that our, our nation is in. And I know, I know every election cycle you hear it, you know, this is the most important one. And this is the most critical one, the most crucial one. And, you know, but, but if anything, I hope that motivates us to pray for our nation, to pray for, to pray for our leaders, pray for them. So be involved, right? And, and we see also, I, I actually meant to, to, to talk about Romans 13. Romans 13, where, where Paul's writing and, he, and he's saying, again, this is a church in, in, in Rome. And, and at the time, per se, there wasn't necessarily direct persecution upon Christians. They had somewhat of freedom as long as they weren't causing a ruckus and causing trouble. But I, I promise you there were things in the Roman government at that time that were evil, that were ungodly. You know what Paul says? Submit yourself to the government. Submit yourself to them. Why? Because God's placed them there. God's placed them there. Again, we also see in Scripture, as we look at all of Scripture, right? We, we, we talked about sola scriptura, the Scripture's our, our final authority, but uh, tota scriptura, or all of, we let all of Scripture speak, and we see it's consistent, it's harmonious, it's not contradictory, it's harmonious. And as we look at all of Scripture, we see, well, there are times as followers of Christ, we're not going to submit to the government. That because if they're, if they're directly telling us to, to disobey something that God has said, I remember, I don't know, Pastor Howard, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we had a conversation 
uh, about two years ago, I think, I was, I was uh, preaching on Romans 13 and was asking Pastor Howard for some advice with navigating some of that and even the practicality of it. And, you know, we, we were talking about how sometimes it's hard as believers to, to, to kind of see, okay, what's that exact balance of when do I say, no, I'm not going to follow this decree or this order or this law versus when are the times, even if I disagree with something, I'm going to submit to that. Well, it seems like the consistent answer as we look at scripture is that as believers, as followers of Christ, if there's a direct rule, a direct law, a direct command to go against what God has said, well, then as followers of Christ, God is our authority and we should do it humbly, right? We should do it lovingly, but yet we should firmly stand and say, nope, there, there's that Christ is, is Lord over all, and we're going to follow him. But as followers of Christ, our attitude should be that we want to be good citizens. We want to pay taxes. We want to obey the laws of our land. And we should be good, good citizens. We should be good citizens. We should be the best. Christians should be the best citizens. We should be involved. We should be prayerful. But then thirdly, we see this. We see, be hopeful, be hopeful. Jeremiah says, for thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I'll visit you and I'll perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. And here's the famous verse that a lot of people quote and a lot of people have on their wall, um, which ironically though, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how many of them truly understand the context in which it's written. It says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected or a hopeful end. Why? He says, because ultimately my purpose with allowing Babylon to do this is to bring my people back to a relationship and a true love for me. You know, as Christians, we have hope. We look around us. It doesn't seem hopeful. Just the, just the, to, the, the, the toxic environment of our nation, the, 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 the political climate and everything going around, on around us. And I hate, I hate to come across as negative because like, honestly, I, I'm, I'm a very optimistic and positive person. But, but as we look around us, like, you know, there, there would be a lot of things to look at and say, like, we're not very hopeful just with, with the condition of our nation. I mean, no matter how the election turns out, Whichever side, it just seems like, wow, there's, there's a lot to not be hopeful about if our eyes are on here and now. If our eyes are upon what's happening right now. Jeremiah says, look, God, God's plan is to give you a, a hopeful end. Is it for after 70 years of captivity? And when we read that, it, it almost comes across as a little humorous. Now, if we were in their position, it wouldn't come across as humorous. But for us, it's almost humorous because he's like, oh, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. Oh, but the thoughts I think towards you are good and not of evil. I'm going to give you a hopeful end. And we think, well, that doesn't sound very hopeful. But what we see is that, that God's best intent can be found even in life's most difficult circumstances. You know what? Wherever we find ourselves as a nation, I hope our nation turns, turns to God, turns back to God. I hope that there's a great spiritual awakening and revival. And just so you know, just so you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's the political party in charge. That's neither going to bring it nor hinder it. 
a great revival and awakening amongst God's people, amongst our communities where people are coming to saving faith in Christ. And that should be our hope and desire. But ultimately, we can be, we can be hopeful. Why? Because God is sovereign in control overall. And you know what? Tonight, we can rest in that. Even in the uncertainty, even in not knowing, and, and honestly, even maybe in anticipating, anticipating violence, and I hope this doesn't happen, let's pray that it doesn't, but even anticipating a lot of protesting and, 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 and rioting either way in the next several weeks and even months to follow, we as Christ followers, we can be hopeful. Why? Because even though we're involved, even though we're prayerful, even though we can be concerned, look, our, our hope isn't in this system. Our, our hope's not in the kings and rulers of men down here. Our hope is in the fact that we are part of his kingdom, that we're part of his kingdom. Daniel puts it like this in, uh, in Daniel. I think I have the verse up there. Daniel chapter two. Is that verse up there? Okay, let's say, you could probably find it quicker than me. I'm going to put myself on the spot. Can I find Daniel real fast? I don't have a mark. Daniel 2. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. So in, in, in Daniel, Daniel is, 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 is prophesying as we read the book of Daniel. Very interesting book. And there's different views as to, okay, are, have all these things happened now already? Are some going to happen? But ultimately, we rest in this. We rest in this. God raises up kings and kingdoms. And they come and they go. They rise and they fall. All kingdoms end but one. That there is a kingdom that will have no end. That there is a king who reigns. And will reign forever. And that is the kingdom that we, his followers, are a part of. And that's why we can look around us and say, look, let's be involved. Let's be good citizens. Let's, let's be the best citizens we can be. Let's be in, in, in involved in areas we can be involved in. Let's pray for our leaders. Let's pray for our government. But ultimately, our hope isn't in a government, our hope is not in a king. Our hope is in our Savior, who is king of all. And his kingdom will never end. And, 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 and Jeremiah is telling God's people this. He's saying, listen, that yes, Babylon was the tool that God used. But Babylon's not in control. God is in control. That God has caused this. That God is sovereign over all. And if we look around us, maybe we can be discouraged. But if we look up, we'll be encouraged and recognize this, that God's in control of over all. That his kingdom won't end. That his kingdom won't end. Uh, Pastor Andy Stanley, who uh, th theologically there's issues that, that he's been you know, very controversial over, and I strongly disagree with some of his positions, strongly disagree with some of his positions. But I love how he put this four years ago. He said this, he said that in context of our political system and, and, and everything that was taking place four years ago, he said this, when you look at Christ and you look at Jesus, you look at the most powerful government in the world, the most powerful leaders in the world at that time, today are nothing more than a footnote 
in the story of Jesus. That none of us would have any clue outside of some obscure book that maybe we pick up from the first, about the first century where we'd have any idea who King Herod was or who Pontius Pilate was. We'd have no clue who any of them were. The only reason we even know those names because they're a footnote, the story of Jesus. Because Jesus Christ rules and reigns. And our hope is in him. Our hope is in him. So again, that's not a, that's not a, okay, we don't have to do anything and be involved and who cares, right? The, the, we don't want to fall into that ditch of where we do nothing and don't recognize we have a responsibility as followers of Christ to be good citizens. But nor do we have to panic when the, the leaders and rulers aren't the people that, that, that we voted for or the, or the people that we think are the best. Or sometimes we look and think like, man, like, voting for it's, it's a lose-lose I'm not saying that the, that's the case in this election I'm just saying sometimes maybe we felt like that at times like man like either way it's it's not someone that I prefer but you know what as Christians we don't have to stress and panic and worry about that because Jesus Christ rules and he reigns his kingdom will never end and we as his followers we have, as his followers are a part of that kingdom. And we recognize our mission here is to proclaim his name. And yes, let's be patriotic and let's love our country. I, I truly sincerely, sincerely mean this. As, yes, our country's got shortcomings. Yes, our country has had shortcomings, but, but I'm thankful for our country. And I believe we have the greatest country in all of the world. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful, I'm thankful for the, the men, women who have, have have, have stood on a wall and, and defended it with their life. And as, as an American, as an American, we should have a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness. And I want my children to learn to love our country and to be patriotic and to be thankful for the country that we're in. But ultimately, the, the, the American flag doesn't fly higher than the Christian flag. The American flag doesn't, the, 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 the kingdom, the government of the, that we're in, it'll come to an end. But as Christ followers, we are part of a kingdom that will never end. And Jesus does rule and he reigns. And as his followers, be hopeful, be encouraged. Be encouraged that we know, we know that Christ has won and that he will win, that he will one day return. That's his promise. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So we take hope and should take hope in that. But while we're waiting, right, we want to be responsible. We want to be involved. We want to be the best citizen that we can be of the nation that God has placed us in. Ultimately, why? Well, when, when Peter talks about, and I wish I would have put these verses up, I apologize. But when Peter talks about, when, when Peter talks about like, hey, you're strangers, you're pilgrims, you're just passing through down here. He also talks about having a life and a conversation that's honest, that's righteous and godly. Why? so that we can be a testimony to people that don't know Christ. And as, as followers of Christ, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Be involved, be prayerful, and be hopeful.